glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Over the tackle of the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, proud members of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTF Podnet on Twitter, you can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter, and you can find Mr. Matthew Fox, my co-host for the day, at Nighthawk7734 on Twitter. We are just one of a ton of great podcasts, a part of this network, some of which are Jim Day of FF Champs, Adam Ronis, and Dr. Roto from Sirius XM, Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, Dwayne McFarlane, and Blake Sullivan, among a ton of other great podcasts. You can find all of them on FullTimeFantasy.com, your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies. On top of that, we at the Roundtable are also partnering with uh Oh my goodness, guys, I almost butchered that. Expand the box score at XT Box Score on Twitter. You guys can go to them. They have some of the best stats in the industry, DFS, NFL, college football. They're adding baseball and basketball stuff here soon as well. I'm telling you guys, I use them. Best stat stuff, all that fantasy stuff and uh, college football stuff you guys see me posting on, on Twitter all the time comes from them. Their stats on college football are amazing, and they get even better stuff for NFL. Uh, and you guys can look them up. Again, it's expandtheboxscore.com. If you guys sign up with them, it's $15 a year, an entire year's worth of subscriptions for just $15. It's ridiculous, and you guys get 10% off if you guys use code ROUNDTABLE. That is for us. We would appreciate it. Obviously, helps us out because it makes us look good and allows us to keep you continuing to use their service. Um, you know, Andy Singleton, if you, you guys, uh, he's on Twitter. You guys can follow him at People's Pen. He, he's awesome. He's one of the, the lead guys here. The owner of it does a phenomenal thing here. FWS, FSWA. Um, dude's phenomenal on Twitter. Great, great guy and, and owns this site. It, it's awesome. Definitely check it out again. If you guys are, Really into stats and kind of want to get an upper hand on certain things, check them out again. Expandtheboxscore.com. $15 for an entire year's worth of stats, and you guys get 10% off if you use code ROUNDTABLE. We're now going to bring Matt in as we're going to finish breaking down the rest of the game from Week 7. we got the Monday Night Football game, the Sunday Night game, and a couple of games that we did not get a chance to break down yesterday. And Matt is back with us. Matt, how's uh, how's your Tuesday been going for you so far? Going pretty good. I, I feel like I'm doing a lot better than a Detroit Lions fan this morning. <laughs> yeah, we were just talking about that off air for a minute. I can't wait to get to that game. Uh, as many who know who listen to the podcast, I don't get to watch some of these games fully because I have to get up so early in the morning. So we were just talking about where I left off in the game and, and some of the stuff that happened that I heard about that did not get to see. So I am excited to hear from you uh, all the stuff that happened when we get to that game. But we're going to start off with uh, with a couple of the afternoon games we did not get a chance to break down yesterday. First and 10 at the... Lions 29 and Prescott goes screen right. Elliott down the right side to the 25, to the 20, to the 10. Elliott to the pilot. 
Second down and 10, takes the snap, gives it. Chubb runs, he's in a 15, he's in a 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50. There goes Chubb, he's in the 30, 20, 10, 5, touchdown, Chubb will love a hub. 92 yards. from Adam. Case on a deep throb. Steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side. Caught by Diggs. Stay oh my God! Oh my God! The first one is the San Francisco 49ers beating up the Los Angeles Rams. I think this game could have been a lot closer than the score indicates. Jared Goff really just had a bad game in this one. I was able to watch most of this game. So on the 49ers side here, Jimmy Garoppolo, 24-33, 243 yards, no touchdowns, and one interception. Did get a rushing touchdown, though. Uh, comes in at QB 20 with 18.12 points. Tevin Coleman leads the day just a little bit over Brita in the carry department and has the best fantasy day for you. RB 17 with 14.10 points, 45 yards on 18 carries and one touchdown in this one. Does add 16 yards on two catches. Matt Brita, RB 30 with 10.3 points, 36 yards on 13 carries and adds 27 yards on four catches. Uh, let's see here. None of the wide receivers did much of anything outside of Kittle. You got Dante Pettis, 45 yards on three catches, and Debo Samuel, 18 on three. Pettis, wide receiver, 48 with 7.5 points. Debo, wide receiver, 58 with 6.4. George Kittle, though, uh, continues his little bit of resurgence here, reminding us that he is still a tight end one option. Eight receptions, 103 yards, finishing his tight end three on the week with 18.3 points. For the 49ers, man, it was, um, for starters, they continue to be perfect. They are still undefeated, the only team in the NFC that is undefeated. Obviously, the Patriots are still undefeated in the AFC. Coleman, I, I thought he looked somewhat good in this game. He looked good against the Browns. I mean, you could argue, argue Brita looked better in the Browns game. Uh, I think Coleman looked really good in this one. But that worries me a little bit, both of them. He did get more carries, so how, how would you kind of break down this backfield with Coleman and Breida? Breida has looked at more explosive, more more uh, engaged in the passing game, but Coleman's really been getting more carries. How would you feel if you own both of these guys right now in fantasy? I mean, I think you're in a, in a spot where both uh, have value and both uh, can be started, but you have to figure both are probably in the flex range with some upside um, they're both working in there. And plus, I mean, Raheem Mostert got carries again in this game last week. He was involved in the passing game. They're another one of these teams that they're going to do what they need to do to win on the football field. Uh, Kyle Shanahan does not care about your fantasy team. Yeah. Uh, you know, it just more and more, I feel like we've, we've really, we, we'd seen it in the, the run up uh, to this year, but it feels like even more so this year. There are only like one, you know, only a handful of backfields where there's one option. Most of these backfields are a couple of options. And if they're a good team and they're good enough to sustain it, then both guys have 
value. You know, if you started yeah. Brita as a flex, you got a good return. If you started Tevin Coleman as a flex, you got a good return. If you're relying on any of them as your RB1 or your RB2, uh, you're probably going to end up with some weeks of disappointment. But if you're playing them as a flex with upside, I think both of them have that upside for touchdowns. They both seem to be getting involved in the passing game uh, as well. Pretty equal uh, on the targets this week. Not too far off on the carries. Um, you know, I think that's just unfortunately the way it's going to be. There's a lot of backfields that are like this. Yeah. Uh, we saw, as I said, George Kittle kind of balled out in this one, dealing actually with a pretty serious groin injury as well. So for him to go out there and play the way that he did was just awesome. We've been saying it all season long. Don't worry about it. I, I know I've said multiple times on the podcast already that he, uh, up till this point last, or uh, this point this year compared to last year, he had more fantasy points and we saw the season he had. So don't freak out. He was going to be fine. Again, he, he's just missing out on touchdowns. That's really all that's holding him back right now, but a great game for him. Much like these running backs, though, these wide receivers are really not, nobody's standing out. We came into the season, a lot of people really high on Dante Pettis. He's going to be the one in a Kyle Shanahan offense. He's going to get the ball, should ball out. Then you had people talking about Debo Samuel being there in the slot, this rookie that was going to be phenomenal. I mean, can you trust anybody at this point? Would you, I would imagine you've got to roster him, but would you, who would you roster and leave on your bench and, and wait for a breakout game? Or are you willing to throw one of these guys in your flex spots? I'm not willing to start any of them right now. I feel like Debo Samuel is the one that I still feel like needs to be rostered um, every week. I think he has talent, um, you know. But then again, it's really tough. I'm rostering him on a, in a few teams, even a few redraft leagues. I don't feel good enough about putting him in an actual game, but I feel like he's maybe got the most talent and the most upside. It is like the running backs in terms of a lot of get different guys are potentially getting involved, but it's not like them in terms of the you don't have a very good feel about a safe floor. You know, this week, Pettis got six targets, ended up catching three for 45, but we've seen several games so far this year where he got nothing. So, I mean, that's not a week-to-week you know, we're getting toward the part of the season where there's going to be enough injuries and bye weeks that you may have to take a chance and just hope for the best. Uh, but Samuel's probably the one I feel the best about rostering. None of them do I feel good about playing. Gotcha. Yeah, I think, what was it? Um, I'm trying to remember what game it was. Again, Cincinnati was the game he went off, and I, I own him too in a league. I was, I'm debating on dropping him because I need a defense, and he's really, for me, the only droppable player I have because I don't want to drop the, the yeah. other guys on the bottom of my roster are Chase Edmonds and Hunter Henry, and I don't want to drop Chase Edmonds just in case something happens to David Johnson because I have a feeling if I drop Edmonds, the Johnson owner is going to snag him up, so I want to hold on to him. So I kind of feel like Debo's the guy that I got to let go. Haven't decided yet, but yeah, I'm right there with you. I think he is the guy, but I just don't think unless you just get lucky and throw him in your flex spot and that's the week he goes off like again, uh, like he did against Cincinnati, I would not feel comfortable starting him. I'm trying to pull up his schedule here. I mean, they have – let's see here. Who do they got? Washington. Well, Washington might not be a bad game, which is this week, but then Carolina, Arizona, probably a good matchup, Seattle, Arizona. So they don't really have many good matchups moving forward. That Washington game this week might be one that I'd be safe – feel safe throwing him in there. Outside of that, though, yeah, I feel like he's got to be on your bench until he establishes more of a role. On the Rams side, Jared Goff has just struggles mightily in this one. I mean, barely registers uh, fantasy points. 
Comes in at QB, oh, I just lost it. Here we go, QB 28 with 4.37 points. Goes 13 of 24 for 78 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Malcolm Brown, the guy that we all thought was going to come in here and just dominate with uh, Gurley being out, gets 11 carries and gets you a whopping 40 yards. So he comes in at RB51 with four points. We actually saw Darrell Henderson out there quite often, the phenomenal rookie a lot of people were hyped about. A lot of people, in all honesty, were kind of upset he got drafted by the Rams because they thought he could have a shot to be a, a starting running back in the NFL. 39 yards on six carries, added one catch, four nine yards, did have a fumble in this one. Uh, not really his fault, though, I, I don't think. Well, no, yeah, it was. I'm thinking the wrong game. Yes, it was his fault. Uh, but it comes in at RB. They actually uh, they actually didn't count the fumble against him. I, I remembered seeing that play on replay, too. Uh-huh. They changed that to count it against Goff because Goff wow, had okay. two fumbles, lost one, and it's what they're showing now i thought that was an interesting kind of bailout because i know on sunday there was a lot of talk about him having fumbled yeah well man way to just pile on jared golf and his bad day fantasy people that's just that's just <laughs> messed up in my opinion well okay so henderson doesn't get the fumble uh does come in as rb 35 with 7.3 points uh the best wide receiver on the day was robert woods but that's just because he gets you a touchdown in this one RB47 with 7.6 points gets you a rushing touchdown, 16 yards uh, in the rushing game, and just does literally nothing in the receiving game. In all honesty, none of these guys did, and I think that's just due to the 49ers defense. Cooks, 3 for 18. Cup, 4 for 17. Cooks, wide receiver, 60 with 6.2 points. Cup, wide receiver, 62 with 5.7 points. This is the first three-game losing streak in Sean McVay's era as a head coach, we've seen Goff really kind of struggle here. I mean, he has not been good for the past couple of weeks. You know, people want to look at that game against Tampa Bay, and that was all because, and I know we talked about it at the time, was just the volume of passing that he had. But outside of that, he did not look good. He didn't look good in the Browns game. He didn't look good this week. Uh, Malcolm Brown was a guy that we all thought, at least I know I thought, would come in and at least have a decent game with Gurley being out. He did not prove that at all. If Gurley's out, though, I still think you have to start him. I know a lot of people are going to be high on Darrell Henderson. I would still go with Brown. Brown did get a majority of the carries and was on the field a whole lot more than Henderson. I know Henderson had the flashy play, but it'd be Brown for me. Uh, but for what I want to ask you, would it be Brown or Henderson for you? And are you panicking right now about Jared Goff and these wide receivers for, uh, I was going to call them the St. Louis Rams, for the Los Angeles Rams? I don't know if I'm panicking. Uh, you know, I I think we need to stop for a minute and give credit where credit is due the 49ers defense. You know, we, we've been tempted to talk about offenses week after week, just collapsing against them at some point in time. You see enough good offenses collapse against them that you have to start believing that it's got a lot to do with the defensive line. I mean, one of Jameis Winston's worst games came when he was under constant pressure here. We saw Baker and the Browns get caved under. We saw the Rams get caved under. You know, you can't run, you can't pass. Uh, they spent a lot of money and a lot of draft picks rebuilding that 49ers defense, especially along that defensive line. And I think you're seeing a lot of those efforts pay off. Um, that's probably a big part of the reason Brown struggled. That's a big part of the reason Goff struggled. They showed a lot. Uh, I think it was on uh, Football Night in America. They showed a montage of all the times that they were just caving in and he had no time to throw. 
And I think that's that's an issue, but we've also seen the Rams are in a little bit of a funk. You know, I know a couple of years ago when Sean McVay took over, he kind of brought a new energy, a new offensive system. It was something people hadn't seen, and it really caught the league by storm. But now you've seen quite a few of his offensive assistants go out and try to put that kind of scheme in different places, and people have enough time and enough film uh, that they're able to game plan for you better. I think yeah. we've seen it. The last couple of weeks, even with Kansas City, Kansas City had a pretty high, high flying offense there for a while, but people have figured out ways to beat them. That happens a lot. The real question is going to be, can McVay make the next adjustment and get the Rams into a different space? Uh, I also think their team dynamically, you know, no matter if Gurley hasn't looked like what he was at one point in time this year, just having him on the field, I think, changes the dynamic and changes the way the defense has to play. No matter how solid Malcolm Brown is as a fill-in, he is not Todd Gurley, and I think that impacts the way the defense chooses to attack. But, you know, just a, a terrible game. They were just dominated from the word go. When you're leading fantasy wide receiver as a guy that caught no balls to get a rushing touchdown that kind of tells you where you're at on the day i think in terms of the backs going forward brown's probably the better play uh for rushing um i was interested henderson did get in there did get carries and is the only of the running backs to get targets it does feel like with Gurley not in there, they may be looking at more of a split. Also, maybe they're feeling more comfortable that Henderson's picking up the offense. I'm sure it's not an easy system to learn. There was a reason a lot of people were high on him uh, as the handcuff before the season started. So, um, I, you know, Brown's probably the safer play right now. But, you know, I think Henderson bears watching. There's a reason he's been rostered in a lot of leagues. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of people went out during a draft season and took him really high, expecting Gurley to kind of fall off because of the knee issue, and then Henderson would come in there uh, and be the guy. And that might still happen. I mean, I don't think Gurley is – he obviously hasn't looked like the guy we've expected him to be, as you said, but he still looked good, and and I agree with you 100%. This offense, in my opinion, is fully built around Gurley being able to do what he does first and then Goff doing what he does second. It's built on them having that threat of the run, which might be part of the reason why they struggled so much against the San Francisco 49ers. Um, I'm with you, though. I'm not panicking. Uh, I mean, I'm a little worried about, uh, for me, still Cooks and Woods because we've seen that while, again, Woods got the rushing touchdown. If he didn't get that, he literally does nothing in this game where we've still seen Cooks and Cup still got those targets and receptions and at least some yards. And that's really starting to make me worry about Robert Woods. His guy's finished up in the top 12 the past couple of years, but I really think this offense is moving more toward Cooks and Cup and then possibly even Everett sneaking up there with Woods. I wanted to mention on Gerald Everett, he's had a couple breakout games. Goff missed him for a like 50-yard touchdown that he was wide open. I mean, and Goff overthrew him, if I can remember. It was easily 5 to 10 yards. It was bad. And he was wide open. The nearest defender was nowhere near him. It was going to be a walk-in touchdown. So Everett could have been had a really good game here again. So he might be someone, if he's still available on your waiver wires, I try and grab with Will Disley being out. And, and some of the guys you have going on buys this week might be a worthwhile fill-in, especially with them going up against uh, – I actually don't remember who the Rams are going up against. Let's see here. Who do the Rams play this week? They have got the Falcons, who have been 
about as good as a leaky faucet on defense. They've been allowing everything. Fire so. up all your ramps. Yeah, it's so it'll be, be a, yeah, get well week for them. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, if Gerald Everett's available, you lost Will Disley, I would definitely grab him. Speaking of the Atlanta Falcons, that leads us right into the next game. The Atlanta Falcons losing 33-34, had a chance to tie it, and Matt Bryant unfortunately missed the field goal. The Falcons, man, have just been struggling to get right, yet they continue to produce in fantasy, which I guess is really all we care about. Matt Ryan, QB1 on the week, with 30, went 30-36, 356 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions, 46.44 points. Devonta Freeman continues to put up fantasy numbers as well, RB4, 26.8 points. 88 yards on 19 carries in this one and added 30 yards on three catches and two receiving touchdowns. Julio Jones bounced back from his bad performance last week, comes in as wide receiver 11 this week with 18.8 points, 108 yards on eight catches. Uh, Calvin Ridley uh, comes in at wide receiver 21, 14.8 points, 48 yards, a touchdown on four catches. Mohamed Sanu struggles in this one, though. A guy I thought might actually have a good game, had been doing really good so far this season. Comes in at wide receiver 61 with 5.9 points, 29 yards on three catches. And then Austin Hooper tied in one. 117 yards on eight catches and one touchdown to come in as tight end two on the week with 25.7 points. You've been talking about Hooper uh, really since the beginning, saying that you thought he was going to have a really good year, and that has been a great call for you. I mean, really outside of him, Julio, I guess you could probably start throwing Ridley in your your flex every week. He seems to kind of bounce back from his early season struggles. I still believe in Sanu. I know he struggled in this one. But Devonta Freeman, he's my main guy for us because me and you have both been saying for the past couple weeks you need to sell high on him now because he's been going good. It's now three weeks in a row that he's actually finished with a lot of fantasy points. Granted, I'm going to admit the very first week was a lot of luck. He had horrible stats. It was the touchdown that saved him. But the past couple weeks, he's slowly looked better. I can't remember if you were on the same train as I was that he might have a chance to be the bounce back player of the year here. I know Dennis was. Uh, So what are your thoughts on Freeman? Are you still on the sell high train? Are you starting to come back a little bit and be like, maybe I can trust putting him back into my lineup? I still think, you know, if you can sell him for a lot, that may end up being better in the long run. They, They have offensive line problems. Uh, which is, I think, going to hamper his ability to be productive as a rusher. What's what's been encouraging, you know, when he really burst out a few years ago was because uh, of his prowess as a receiver. And I think the last couple of weeks, what we've seen is he's catching passes and he is turning them into things. You know, he got two receiving touchdowns yesterday. That's not going to happen every week, but I think. If he is going to keep getting the receiving work, that's going to give him a more steady floor uh, that I don't think he would get from just rushing alone. I still don't think they're a very good rushing offense. Uh, you know, they've also lucked into Arizona's not a great defensive team, so it was a good matchup. Um, but you know, they they're going to have games with the Saints, games with the Panthers, games with much better defenses, and I think that's going to be a little bit of a concern, but if he can be part of this passing attack uh, and can get some goal line looks, that gives me a little bit more confidence. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine you could still sell him for for fairly, I would say a 
decent haul, maybe. I mean, especially with the way the running back landscape looks right now, something we talked about. It's actually a, a little topic I have saved for Thursday. I can't wait to talk to you guys about it. I'm not going to let you know what it is yet. Uh, but there's been something I've heard a lot of discussion about. I've talked about before, interested to get your um yours and Tony's thoughts on but yeah with the with the way the landscape looks at running back I'd imagine to be able to get something decent maybe a a lower end RB2 and a decent wide receiver back if you need a wide receiver or something like that I I kind of am leaning right now toward keeping him just because I actually have him in a couple leagues and I'm like man it just due to again the running back situation I probably am going to end up keeping him but if you can get a good haul for him I'm always up for trading aging running backs that I, I don't think are going to be uh, that good in the next coming year or in the coming years. Uh, well, and if you look at uh, the rest of his schedule, he's got um, Rams and Seahawks next couple of weeks. Those aren't uh, those aren't terrible, but they are definitely not incredible matchups. Then at the Saints, at the Panthers, home for the Bucks. You figure could be a good one. Saints again, Panthers again, at the 49ers, Jaguars. I think it's fair to say that they've played some of the crappier defenses that they're going to face yeah. earlier up in the season. So, uh, you know, it's tough. It's just tough when offensive line is your issue uh, and you're the running back or the quarterback, you know, it doesn't take much uh, for a good pass rush to get going and to kind of cripple what you're trying to do. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, that's, uh, and I know you mentioned that he won't score, obviously, with the two receiving touchdowns he had this week. The fact that he is getting involved in the passing game a little bit more, I think, helps. It's going to be something I'm interested in watching um, within the next couple weeks, because you imagine, Ram- well, with the way the Rams have played, although the, the Falcons' defense will probably give up points, how, how involved he stays in the receiving game in some of these games coming up. I don't know, most... Uh, most people's trade deadlines are coming up. I know in most of the leagues I'm in, it's week 9 or 10. So you've only got a couple more weeks to make that decision. Maybe maybe he comes in and has one more good game. Uh, I mean, chances are, as you, as you mentioned with the schedule, that might not happen. So now might be the best time to sell him if, if you're wanting to get out of the Freeman business. For the Cardinals side here, Kyler Murray balls out again. QB2 with 41.55 points in this one. Let's see, 27 to 37, 340 yards, three touchdowns, added 32 yards on the ground. David Johnson comes through for you just mostly because of touchdowns, though. 34 yards on 12 carries and a touchdown, and then does get 68 yards on six catches and a touchdown. To come in as RB3 with 28.2 points. Chase Edmonds actually plays pretty well, mostly being a backup here. 33 yards on two catches and a touchdown, and 34 yards on five carries to come in as RB15 with 14.7 points. Larry Fitzgerald, 69 yards on six catches to come in as wide receiver 23 with 12.9 points. Dare. My goodness, I'm a, I always get this name. This is Damian Bird, Demir Bird. I'm sorry, Demir Bird. 60 yards, two catches, wide receiver 45 with eight points, and Max Williams at tight end, 34 yards, a touchdown on three catches to come in at tight end six with 13.5 points. The Cardinals and Murray, they continue their winning ways. I mean, Murray continues to move up the QB charts. A lot of people were down on him coming into the year. He has been right up there as a top 12 quarterback all season long. And with him continuing to run the ball, I think he's going to keep moving up higher. I think he has a chance to finish in the top 10 to 8 quarterbacks this year. Johnson and Edmonds are both fantasy relevant. I don't see that happening moving forward, do you? Do you think Edmonds gets more work with the chances of Johnson being beat up, or is Edmonds really just a clear handcuff? 
Hard to say, you know, it's hard to say how much of his involvement this week is because they were babying David Johnson, who obviously was kind of uh, the, a game time decision to play this week. But, you know, I think Edmonds has shown some pop. Uh, he certainly showed some pop, almost seven yards carry. Uh, rushing, caught the passing touchdown. Um, you know, I think he's a guy that could easily find himself getting more involved, especially since they've had such trouble keeping wide receivers healthy and on the field. Um, you know, I think it's a situation where they might be supplementing a little bit, sort of the reason that I've thought that even with Melvin Gordon coming back and taking the rushing work that Austin Eckler could stay involved because he's he's a decent receiver and because they've had so many other injuries. You know, I think you're seeing that a little bit with Arizona too, um, you know, just trying to get some playmakers and some weapons out there. And when you're that air raid offense, you got to try to use everything you got. Yeah, I mean, if he could continue to get work in the receiving game, I think that'd be great for him and anybody like myself who owns him, as I was just mentioning, and you're not the David Johnson owner because that could really kind of increase his value again in a a weak running back market here. Max Williams, what do you think about him at tight end? We, we've constantly talked about how weak that landscape is at, at tight end. Got a bunch of people on by this week. Again, we already mentioned earlier, Will Disley out in yesterday's podcast, talked about Gerald Everett. Are you willing to pick him up and take a shot on him? possibly being a viable fantasy tight end? Uh, I don't know. It's hard to say. Uh, you know, he had three targets, caught them all, 34 yards and a touchdown. You know, we saw Charles Clay getting involved, uh, two getting a couple of targets. Hard to say, too, if it was just also kind of the same product of not having as many receivers or trying to get a lot of um, – people involved i think i'd I'd need to see it a little bit more first yeah so just to give you guys uh an idea of what he's done and it's really been nothing week one one target for 15 yards or one target one reception for 15 yards week two one target one reception for 21 yards nothing in week three week four one one target one reception 21 and then week um six here or what week five, I'm sorry, one target, one reception for seven yards. So has not been that involved in the offense. So really, I guess what I'm saying and probably what you're saying here too is don't buy into the one touchdown. Uh, there's probably better options you can grab. He does not seem to be involved in this offense whatsoever. Next up, the Titans and the Broncos. The Titans get blanked here by your Denver Broncos, 0-16. to uh, I was able to watch some of this game, but not most of it. As, as I tend to do, I, I come to get your analysis on these games because I know you are tuned into the Broncos side. On the Titans side, though, Ryan Tannehill replaces Marcus Mariota in this game. Tannehill, 13 of 16, 144 yards and an interception, comes in at QB 27 with 7.61 points. Mariota comes in at QB 31 with 0. 0.67 points, 718, 63 yards, two touch. I'm sorry, two interceptions. Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry both suck in this game as well. I forgot to put what running back. Uh, Deion Lewis was, I believe, running back 46 with 4.9 points in this one. Uh, negative one yard rushing, but does add uh, in the receiving game. Was actually out there quite a bit there in the receiving game due to them being behind. Gets three catches for 20 yards. Derrick Henry, one catch for five yards. Adds 28 yards on 15 carries to come in his RB49 with 4.3 points. 
Humphreys, Adam Humphreys, wide receiver 30 with 10.7 points, 47 yards on six catches. And then Corey Davis actually looked to be somewhat relevant with Ryan Tannehill, 36 yards on three catches, 8.10 points. Delaney Walker tied in 18 with 7.3 points, 43 yards on three catches. So as I mentioned, the Titans benched Marcus Mariota and put in Tannehill. Uh, Mike Vrabel has come out and said they have not decided on who will start Week 7, but they will announce it eventually. Don't know if that means they're going to try and go back to Marcus Mariota. They're just going to leave Tannehill in. Regardless, I think for me, the only player worthy of starting in the receiving core in general is Humphreys. He has looked good the past couple weeks, a low-end wide receiver three or possible flex option. As much as I love Delaney Walker, he's just not getting the volume. Uh, what do you, What do you think about that? And then we'll talk about Derrick Henry. Uh, the only Titan that I'm starting is Derrick Henry. Oh, okay. So you're not worried at all about the, the one bad performance here? You think it just goes to the Broncos doing a good job and kind of locking up this running game? You're not worried about him reverting back to what we've seen the past couple years? No, and he's still getting uh, a lot of the work. Um, they've been just a really bad game. Their line was having a lot of trouble. Uh, they weren't blocking very well. Uh, Henry actually got targeted a few times and Mariota just missed him so badly that he was able to get reception or else he, he would have gotten a couple more catches. And uh, Adam Humphreys really was getting most of his work once Tannehill came in. That makes sense, um, though. And they, and they were just throwing all the time. So I think I would really urge caution with that, waiting to see um, – you know, waiting to see who the quarterback is. They made a couple of nice plays to AJ Brown too that were called back penalties. Some uh two he had two offensive pass interference penalties on himself. Um that really uh were kind of interesting calls, interesting plays. So I I this is one where I think the box score is a little deceptive. Gotcha. I mean, so on the Adam Humphreys thing, that was why I put it on there, though, because I do know he was getting most of his work with Tannehill. I do think if Tannehill is named the starter, that's another reason why. I'm not trying to say he's Jarvis Landry, but we saw how relevant Jarvis Landry was in Miami when Tannehill was the starter because he just tends to go to the slot wide receiver so much that I do think if, if, if Tannehill is named the starter, Humphreys could be a guy with a little bit of upside because we saw him last year in, in Tampa Bay. He has that he has that upside to be a, a worthy starter when he gets the volume. With Tannehill in there, I think that could happen. Uh, I am glad that you said – well, I'm not really glad that you said that about Derrick Henry because I, I don't think Henry is that good, and I was kind of hoping this was going to be the start of the bad trend to, to prove me right. On the Broncos side – Well, I think you're – you're going to have games like that from Henry. I think we've discussed before, but yeah. he's still getting the volume. And this is actually one of those rare situations where you can pin down a one back in the backfield. That's getting pretty much all the work. Um, and, and it's him, you know, Lewis was out there a couple of times, caught a couple of short passes, but he's, he's not really a factor in this backfield. Derek Henry is the one they go to when they want to run. And this is a team that would like to run. Yeah, that, that part of that is true. So hopefully that's only one bad game. Uh, I shouldn't say I hope that it isn't because I, I do want Derrick Henry to succeed. I just, you know, I, I, I like to be right, and I was not high on Derrick Henry at all coming into this year. On the Broncos side, uh, Joe Flacco, QB 25, 9.48 points in this one. Not a, not a great game for him overall. 
Uh, 18 of 28, 177 yards and an interception. The GOAT, Philip Lindsay, continues to produce in real life and in fantasy. 70 yards on 15 carries and one touchdown in this one. Adds five yards on two catches to come in at RB13 with 15.5 points. Royce Freeman, RB18 with 14.1 points. 34 yards on 11 carries. Adds 42 yards on five catches. And then Cortland Sutton continues to dominate here. While it wasn't an over overall great game, or at least fantasy-wise, I think from what I'm seeing in the box score, again, I didn't get a chance to watch all of this game, still great numbers, 76 yards on four receptions, wide receiver 27 with 11.6 points. I think, I know we've talked about it a little bit, you, you've you talked about how it's going to be frustrating owning uh, Lindsey and Freeman. I still think Lindsey's got to be an every week starter. I, I think he's proven, especially with what he's done lately in the running game, he's involved in receiving game for the most part, just continues to put up points. I think there's no way that you can worry about Royce Freeman at this point until something happens to Lindsey. I love what we've seen out of Cortland Sutton. We've talked about him a lot. Uh, I just kind of want to get your thoughts on, on the Lindsey-Freeman debate, and then are we worried and possibly bailing on Emmanuel Sanders. Again, I didn't get a chance to watch this game, but I saw he only had the one catch on three targets for zero yards. So what's going on with Emmanuel Sanders? After a wonderful first game, he's really kind of disappeared. Um, Sanders had a knee injury early in the second quarter and gotcha. missed the rest of the game. Okay. Well, so. that answers the Sanders question. So how about Lindsey and Freeman? Um. Yeah, I, I think the frustration is going to be Lindsay, you know, has played very well and seems to be, to me, the the better back. He's making more yards in between the tackles. He also, in the last few games, has exploded for big plays. They are using him around the goal line, which I like. Something that was very frustrating to me is he kept ending up dropping the ball down to Freeman on these third down passes and mm-hmm. not converting. Okay. Um, so it looks good for him in the box score that he caught five for 42, but I don't think it was actually good for the Broncos in real life um, because often he catches the ball and then he's kind of down and out where he is. Uh, so, you know, it's, I, I still, it's, it's frustrating because they're, they're pretty evenly splitting their time. Uh, I think we're getting some better production from Lindsay, but they are pretty evenly splitting their time. And then um, Sutton, I mean, he looked he looked pretty good. He's he's been their top receiver. He did get a lot of his on one forty-one yard bomb. Uh, so, but besides that, he had three for thirty-five, uh, which is fine. They just don't they don't have a super high volume pass offense. But Tennessee has a pretty decent defense. So I thought it was a solid performance. I mean, I'd be more curious to see what they look like Thursday on a short week against uh, the Chiefs. And as of today, it looks like Sanders is back practicing and is tracking toward playing Um, the Chiefs. You know, I figure that's going to be a little bit more high scoring game. Be curious to see what they look like in that environment. Yeah, that should be a good game too. I'm, I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to that one. Next up, you got the Cowboys and the Jets. Cowboys lose here 22-24. On the Cowboys side here, Dak Prescott comes in at QB 15 with 25.18 points in this one. 
28 of 40, 277 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Does get a rushing touchdown on 11 yards on three carries. Zeke Elliott, 105 yards on 28 carries and a touchdown. 47 yards on five catches to come in as RB5 with 26.2 points. Gallup, wide receiver 39 with 8.8 points in this one, 48 yards on four catches. Uh, We did see Amari Cooper get hurt in this one, just one catch and three yards. We've, I've heard both sides of it. Again, living here in Texas, we, we there's obviously a lot of talk about the Cowboys and Amari Cooper. Some people are saying it's not that serious. Other people are saying that it is. So that's something to watch out for if he is out. Uh, obviously, I think Gallup gets a tick up. We saw, um, my goodness, what was it? Tavon Austin and Wilson. Cedric Wilson got a little bit more run here, but that was also because Devin Smith, who kind of stepped up for Michael Gallup when he was out, was inactive, as was Randall Cobb, who was hurt as well. I would feel much more comfortable firing up one of those two over Tavon Austin or Wilson if Cooper misses time. What about you? Are you willing to throw in anybody in your lineup outside of Gallup if, say, Cooper misses just this one week? Um, I think Gallup's the one that uh, I like the best. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, Rand- Randall Cobb was out too, yeah. um, which I think explains a little bit of Austin and Wilson. So I guess going to have to kind of wait and see. Um, it did look like Elliot got maybe a little more involved in the passing game with uh, Cooper out too, so it might be a little more helpful for him. Six targets, got five for 47, kind of saw them going back, looking his way. Uh, so, But I think Gallup would be the big beneficiary. Oh, yeah. And just a reminder to everybody, they are playing the Philadelphia Eagles, who got torched by Stephon Diggs uh, this past week. So it should be a good game for them if Cooper does not make it back. Even if Cooper does make it back, I would expect a big game. Uh, from Amari Cooper as well, but definitely something to watch. We'll talk more about that uh, coming into the weekend if we hear anything by, say, Thursday. On the Jets' side, I mean, the Jets looked good. It's it's really interesting to think what the Jets could possibly be looking like right now had, had Sam Darnold not gotten mono and missed multiple weeks, get their first win in this one. Sam Darnold comes in at QB 10 with 29.37 points in this one, 23 of 32 338 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Le'Veon Bell just continues to, you know, try and and do something here uh, against defenses who are clearly keying in on him. 50 yards on 14 carries and a touchdown, added three yards on just one catch, which is honestly kind of surprising that he only got the one catch. RB 27 with 12.3 points. Robbie Anderson has a huge day, mostly due to the second longest play in Jets history. 92-yard touchdown pass uh, outside of that five yards, 125 yards on the day to come in as wide receiver seven with 23.5 points. And then Jamison Crowder resurges or has a resurgence here with Sam Darnold, 98 yards on six catches. They were looking his way quite a lot. Wide receiver 19 with 15.8 points. One also mentioned Ryan Griffin, just because he has been doing a lot of work at the tight end position and, and has been somewhat fantasy relevant here the past couple weeks. I do think once Chris Herndon is fully cleared to go, just shows you what Chris Herndon could do. Is he is, in my opinion, more talented than Ryan Griffin. Darnold was back, looked good against a good defense. So with him being back, obviously we were all starting Bell. There was no worries about him. But are we now back into trusting Robbie Anderson and Chris Herndon when he comes back from injury? I think Anderson and uh, Crowder, I, I don't know about Herndon. I'd like to see, you know, if he develops some rapport and see what he looks like coming back. It's, he's more of an unknown. 
Um, you know, I know a lot of people have just been waiting for him to return because of the tight end landscape and are ready to throw him in. And if that's your case, you do it and you see what happens for me. You know, I don't have any teams where I'm relying on him right now. So I kind of want to see what he looks like getting back in. But there was a reason that there was some optimism around the Jets. I actually thought they had a chance to reach up and be a wild card playoff team. And they looked pretty decent on opening day when Darnold was in there, aside from, you know, kind of giving it away at the end, some defensive injuries. Obviously we've seen in the time since then, Buffalo is a pretty formidable opponent. So what they did on that opening on that opening day seems a little bit even more impressive. But now, you know, Wondered, would it take a little while for Donald to get back in the swing of things? Nope. Doesn't look like it did. This is kind of what people were hoping to see from the Jets. One of the reasons, obviously, Gase got the job. They were hoping he was going to help get to, to change and, and to direct this passing offense. Um, you know, and you saw Anderson was good. Crowder was good. They had Demarius Thomas as a third receiver. He caught four for, four for 62. Uh, he looked pretty decent, too. Uh, and they didn't even have to pound Bell into the ground. He was hardly involved in the passing game yeah. um, for the first time all season. So I, I think, you know, we could be seeing them turn a corner. They could be a real fun team to watch second half of the season. Yeah, and what's interesting about them too, so for starters, Jamison Crowder might have been dropped um, in a lot of leagues due to him literally doing nothing while Darden was out. So I would definitely think about picking him up. As long as he's healthy, he could be a PPR machine. I just want to read this off to you guys really quick because this is uh, going to be very interesting for the Jets. If you own any of these players, what you've got coming up in the next few weeks. They have the Patriots and the Jaguars, which I do think could be tough matchups. But then after that, the Dolphins, Giants, Redskins, Raiders, Bengals, Dolphins, Ravens, Steelers. So obviously outside of those last two in Ravens and Steelers, a lot of good matchups. I know the Raiders have been playing well, but they're still top five in giving up passing yards right now. Sam Darnold, I think Robbie Anderson and, and Jamison Crowder, as you pointed out, could be really big down the stretch here. Three, I doubt Robbie Anderson's available, but, but Darnold and Crowder in some redraft leagues, I guarantee you are available. If you need a QB with a lot of upside, I would not be against grabbing Darnold and seeing what he can do here. I like the way that this offense looked. Again, I guess a good Cowboys defense and what they've got moving forward. The Sunday night game, not at all what I expected it to be. The Steelers 24, Chargers 17. We saw Devlin Hodges come in and for the most part kind of hand the ball off to James Conner who had a phenomenal game in this one. Hodges does go 15 of 20 though for 132 yards, one touchdown, one interception to come in at QB 23 with 13.8 points. James Conner RB1 on the week, 41 yards on 16 carries and a touchdown, added 78 yards on 7 catches and a touchdown, and that's really it. Nobody did anything else of relevance here. We saw Benny Snell get a little bit of work, 14 yards on one reception. Juju just 7 yards on one catch. Uh, Deontay Johnson, 2 catches on 14 yards. I mean, literally, Juju Smith-Schuster was the only one targeted, uh, he was targeted 4 times uh, and did only get the one catch. Everybody else was 2-2-1-1-1, two, two, one, 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 and then James Conner the 7. So clearly I think a game plan coming in here to just have Devlin Hodges hand the ball off to James Conner. Devin Bush was really the MVP of this game and won the Steelers this game. So what do you expect from this offense moving forward if it's with Hodges? Is this it? Do you expect it to be the James Conner show moving forward? Yeah, well, and I think we saw in this game, we wondered what was going to happen with Jalen Samuels getting the D-scope and, and out of the picture. He had been splitting a lot of work. 
I think we saw with this game that the plan for the Steelers seems to be to have two running backs involved no matter what, because Benny Snell, 17 carries, actually got one more carry than Connor and was a little more productive as a runner behind him, was also in the passing game. It feels like that that's what the Steelers have decided to do. Maybe it's a product of not just Hodges, but what they have with a young quarterback in Rudolph that they are just going to use their plethora of running backs and try to put a really heavy focus there. And I think, you know, I love Juju Smith-Schuster. I've been trying to bang the drum of patience, but I think we've (laughs) seen enough now that he is not a guy you can start with any great confidence. Yeah, I mean, I I would – that was going to be my next question. I do personally – I'll start it. I I think that if Rudolph comes back, you can trust putting him in there. But it goes back to what we talked about the very first time when uh, I think Rudolph came out there and they had that first game is you have to lower your expectations. He's not going to be a wide receiver one like we all hoped. I still think he has some wide receiver two upside, but that's only going to be if Rudolph gets back in there. With Devlin Hodges, we've seen a full commitment to the run, which is also understandable. He's a third-string quarterback. You're not expecting him to come in there and light it up like Minshew or even Rudolph did somewhat, even though they did kind of run the ball a lot with Rudolph as well. Unless Rudolph comes back, I don't feel that. I would almost bench Juju Smith-Schuster because I think you have better options more than likely to play over him. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and you know, I think with Roethlisberger out and with having lost Bell and Brown, I think we're sealing the Steelers. They've made a commitment the last couple of years to try to improve their defense and re-solidify. I think we're seeing them taking a turn back to you know a different time where they were more of a we're going to play tough defense, we're going to try to grind it out with the run, and we're you know we're going to try to win that way. I feel like they were doing that even with Mason Rudolph. The success that they had against Cincinnati wasn't throwing the ball down the field. It was being creative and doing a lot of run pass option and doing a lot of wildcat formation. I think that is what we're going to see going forward. And I think, you know, there may be times where you want to play Smith Schuster. It's an attractive matchup. I think he's now down to flex at best. Yeah. I don't think you can play him confidently as a wide receiver, too, either. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't disagree with you on that. And and you know I have a bunch of shares of him as well in a couple of leagues that also have yeah. Stefan Diggs, as we've talked about. So, yeah, it's not uh, – coming into this year, both of us very excited about that wide receiver duo, and it is not panning out as well as yeah. we had hoped. On the Chargers side, I mean, I just I don't even know what to say about what's going on with them. We talked about them the other day and how they're you know the season or the the NFC West or NFC West the AFC West is not shaping up the way we thought it was going to. Chargers lose this one. Philip Rivers still has a decent fantasy day here. Twenty six of forty four, three hundred and twenty yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. QB fourteen with twenty five point three points. Uh, Melvin Gordon gets uh, most of the carries here. Eight carries, eighteen yards. Uh, does not do really much. Well, 30 yards on three catches, so not not and not nothing, but does a little bit in the receiving game. RB 32 with 9.3 points. Eckler, five carries, 14 yards, does get you three catches for 14 yards to come in as RB 41 with 5.8 points. Mike Williams, the best wide receiver on the day, with 72 yards on five catches. Coming in as wide receiver 25 with 12.2 points. Keenan Allen, wide receiver 52 with 6.8 
Uh, just 33 yards on two catches, getting double covered a lot in these past couple games. But Hunter Henry returns to the field and makes a huge statement coming out as tight end one with 30 points, 100 yards on eight catches, and two touchdowns. Uh, I mean, what are we doing? I think, Allen, you still have to throw him in. I know he's kind of falling short of expectations. I think some of that is just due to the fact they are double covering him hopefully with the return of Hunter Henry and what we saw out of him that will help loosen some of the coverages on Allen Mike Williams still a viable play but what are you thinking about Gordon and Eckler is this now starting to become the headache we all thought it might be or do you think it was just a product of the game script slash defense that they played on Sunday night in the Steelers now I, I think this this is going to be problematic going forward. They are really struggling uh, to run the ball. I think we noted before Austin Eckler was doing really well uh, in terms of fantasy, but it wasn't necessarily because of his rushing. I think they are really struggling with their rushing offense. The the Chargers, I mean, the Chargers are the last place team in the AFC West right now. Think about that. Think about the expectation we may have had. You know, a lot of people were on the Chiefs in their historic season, the Chargers had the exact same record, 12-4. and four. They were tied for the best record in the AFC last year. They are a team that has no home field advantage. These past two weeks when we've seen them lose home games, both of which they were favored against Denver and against Pittsburgh, both times, even though it was technically a home game, more of the crowd, you know, definitely on Sunday night, the terrible towels were out, outweighing anyone that was wearing Charger blue. I, I think that's beginning to take a toll. You know, this is either the second or third year that they've been in the stadium in Carson that's small, that they never have a home field advantage. They're now one and three at home. They were a team that was, I think, perfect on the road uh, last year and had taken all their losses at home. So they may may do better getting out on the road where, uh, you know, <laughs> where they may face a less hostile crowd, as yeah. weird as it seems. Um <laughs> But they just don't seem to have a lot of dynamic pieces going on on offense. Their defense has been fine, but not dynamic either. They just feel like a team that's that's really struggling in a lot of uh, phases because they were they were pretty well getting blown out here. They, they came back with yeah. 17 points in the fourth quarter to make this look a whole lot better. But they were down 24 to nothing. They were down 21 to nothing at the half. I mean, it was a pretty listless performance from the Chargers. And, uh, you know, Melvin Gordon may be back, but they actually almost to me look like a worse offense with him. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just because Austin Eckler is, is, I shouldn't say more dynamic, but I do think he does a little bit better in the receiving game than Gordon does. It'll be interesting to see what happens with these two, but I think I'm with you. It's one of the reasons why I avoided both of them at all costs because I, I really did. I didn't expect Gordon. I didn't know when Gordon would come back, but this is exactly what I expected was going to happen when he does. Uh, Hunter Henry, I mean, I gra- grabbed him in a couple leagues. Hopefully, I don't think he continues to do that, but we've seen for the most part when he's on the field and healthy, he can be a touchdown machine down there in the red zone. So hopefully he continues to to look good and is able to Uh, keep moving forward with this team and that helps out Keenan Allen the last game on the docket the Monday night football game the Packers pull one out of their ass 23 to 22 Aaron Rodgers finishes as QB 11 on the week here with 28.32 points in this one 
He went 24 of 39 with 283 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, added uh, 10 yards on the ground. Aaron Jones struggled in this one, RB 34 with 8 points, 47 yards on 11 carries. Uh, actually dropped a long touchdown, a long passing touchdown, so just 13 yards on four catches. Uh, Jamal Williams returns to the lineup after his concussion and has a good day. Wide, re- my goodness, I was going to say wide receiver. Running back seven, 23.6 points in this one, 104 yards on 14 carries, adds 32 yards on four catches and a touchdown. Really outside of Lazard, who you you mentioned didn't actually score the touchdown that he was credited with, 65 yards, a touchdown on four receptions, to come in as wide receiver 12 with 18 points. Nobody did much of anything. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who got hurt 48 yards on two catches. We saw Geronimo Allison got hurt 40 yards on three catches. MVS, wide receiver 37 with nine points. Allison, wide receiver 49 with seven points. I mean, they are just getting killed with injuries here. Uh, I don't know if – it looks like Adams is probably not going to be back um, within within the next couple weeks. So I actually think Alan Lazard might be a worthwhile waiver pickup if you own Adams just to kind of get some kind of player in here because you want to be a part or you want to have a part of this Packers passing offense with Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball. But what is your thoughts on, on, on the wide receivers here? Would you be willing to touch Lazard or is it just completely avoid until Adams gets back? I don't think I'm starting anyone with confidence. You know, you may feel tempted to slot one of them in as a uh, flex play, but I, I think week to week game flow, it's going to be tough to tell. I, you know, the Packers are a five and one team that have a lot of uh, appealing fantasy assets that are going to be completely frustrating to try to play week to week uh, without Devontae Adams. They weren't exactly great playing. With Devontae Adams, um, you know, Lazard comes in and they really found something. I think it was more that matchup in that particular than uh, Lazard. It was the defensive back. It seemed like uh, Rodgers was targeting on every play down the stretch that really uh, kind of, uh, I think that just happened to be the guy that Lazard was matched up on. So that that worked out, uh, you know, really found something. I think it was more of a hot hand, hot matchup. Um, which to me doesn't feel like something that says something going forward. And this was after Allison had been knocked out. We don't know what his status is going to be. We don't know what Adam's status is going to be. MBS was out there on the last drive, so uh, I assume his injury situation is not too bad. You have Jake Crumrow, who some people thought would have a chance to break out. You don't know if he's going to get a role. Jimmy Graham was getting targeted. The running backs, I mean, Rodgers is doing what it takes to – win games uh, which is great for green bay fans but uh it's going to be kind of dicey for fantasy um you know you're looking at the target spreads there's nobody that really even established themselves uh, the target leaders were aaron jones uh, who did nothing with him basically four for 13 yards and allison who may or may not be playing everybody else kind of evenly split you know between three and five targets the the other issue I think is going to be the backfield. You know, it was really great seeing the Aaron Jones uh, truthers uh, being able to celebrate last week when he went off on Dallas, but 11 carries for 47 yards also had a fumble, not too dynamic. He dropped a touchdown pass, didn't do a lot in the passing game. Meanwhile, Williams rolls in uh, from his concussion and looked incredible. I mean, 14 carries for 104 yards. He had a 7.4-yard average, had a big 45-yard rumble, caught four passes for 32 yards, and a touchdown. 
at the bare minimum, you'd have to figure they're going to continue to split the work. Uh, you know, after what I saw last night, I don't want to panic, but it almost felt like Williams looked like the better running back. Yeah, I, I was about to ask that. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned as someone. I only own Aaron Jones in one league, but. Jamal Williams did look better at times, and, and I don't know. We we saw it in the first couple games. Obviously, the game where he went off, Jamal Williams. I can't remember if that was a game he got injured at the beginning or wasn't in there because of I the think injury. So. Yeah. But I mean, it, it has been in every game that both of them have been out there. It's been almost a split carry. I mean, it, it's a little bit scary if you own Aaron Jones. I think well, you can't trust him. And that more much. troubling, I think more troubling if you really liked Aaron Jones is the fact that. Jamal Williams was the running back of choice on the on the key drives in the fourth yeah. quarter when they really needed to move the ball down to score. That gives you an idea of who is maybe more favored, you know. And people were talking about the look that Aaron Rodgers gave Aaron Jones after he dropped that touchdown pass, you know. Aaron Rodgers is not a guy that you want to get on his bad side. Oh yeah, no. And that's why I brought up Lazard, because he actually uh Rodgers came out and talked about how he asked for them to put Lazard in there at the end because he trusted him. So for that, from that yeah. coming from Aaron Rodgers, I think gives him some uh, some value because if he's saying, hey, I want this guy out here, I mean, obviously he's not going to be better than, than I think the top guys here, especially Adams. But with Adams being out, he might be a worthwhile stash, and we'll see what happens. I would not suggest putting him in your lineup and starting him next week by any means at all, but maybe a, a worthwhile grab at wide receiver and see what he does moving forward. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. The Detroit Lions, I mean, from everything you told me, they just got screwed in this one. Um, and they had a really good game here. Matt Stafford, 18-32, 265 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Comes in as QB 21 with 16 points. Carry on Johnson, RB 19, 14 points, 10 points, 34 yards on 13 carries. Uh, does get a touchdown in this one uh, and adds 27 yards on two carries or two catches. I'm sorry. Kenny Galladay, wide receiver, 16 with 17.1 points, 121 yards on five catches. Did get that 66-yard bomb on like the first play of the Lions game or Lions uh, drive. And then TJ Hawkinson, tied in 24, 21 yards on four catches. Did drop a touchdown coming in with 6.1 points. Uh, liked what I've seen out of the Lions. I feel comfortable starting carry on Galladay. Hawkinson's still a little bit of a question mark for me. He's actually tied in 14 on the year. But I think a lot of that comes from the fact that he, he – he put up so many points in week one. What's your, what's your overall thoughts on the Lions offense and what happened in this game? Well, I think, first of all, we have to take a minute to acknowledge that uh, few teams have gotten so clearly, obviously, had a game stolen from them as Detroit did. <clears throat> and this is another big primetime game where this is a huge swing. Detroit, had they won that game, would have been first place in the NFC North. Their loss dropped them, I believe, to last place because of yeah, that in last, tie yeah. that they have. Um, there were four kind of brutal calls, uh, it, you know, with them up 22 to 13 and like 10 minutes left in the game. Uh, twice they called uh, Trey Flowers on hands to the face. Both times looking at it, it was very obvious that his hands were on the guy's shoulder pad and he's just so strong. He was throwing Bakhtiari back and making him reel his head back. 
that's that's brutal. You know, they talked about last night, um, you know, the Monday night football announcer suggested, why can't this be a replay thing? John Perry, who used to be an NFL official, who's their official commentator, said you can't have replay on too many things that are subjective. I, much like Booger McFarlane, responded to that by saying, I don't know how you can possibly call that subjective. You know, either you put hands on a guy's face or you didn't. Uh, you know, there was nothing subjective about what that looks like. Right. Uh, so, you know, it's it's almost Trey Flowers did too good of a job and, uh, and drew the penalty. There was an obvious pass interference penalty uh, that didn't get called on Marvin Jones uh, that killed the Lions drive. The touchdown that Lazard caught in fast time, you know, in full speed. I actually thought it was a touchdown too, but when you look at it, somebody got a still, you can see his knee is down. The ball is not over the goal line. Those plays are supposed to be being reviewed. It was just a really disappointing end for a, a Detroit Lions team that really gave their all and came out with a good game plan and were attacking. And I thought they did, what it took to win and it just the brutal nature of where some of these penalties and things occurred. Uh, you know, in terms of fantasy, I think Stafford's still a good start. Um, he seems to be back to where he was, you know, last year we saw him struggle. It was fair one but before that he had been a pretty valuable uh, fantasy asset. He seems like he's kind of back there. I really like what Kenny Galladay is doing. He feels like an every week start. So is carry on Johnson. Uh, the rest of them, I think, are a little hit hit or miss. You're probably right about Hawkinson. I think you're going to have kind of boom-bust games. This was a, kind of a tweener game. I thought we saw the same thing you could say almost about Jimmy Graham on the other side. He's going to have some of those boom and some of those bust. Both of them kind of had tweener games here. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't what you were hoping for. Marvin Jones, kind of a little bit of an enigma, too. You know, you got five targets, only caught two for 17. Sometimes he's up, sometimes he's down. I think he's kind of a, in that boom or bust flex range to me, too. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, Marvin Jones is the one that is interesting to me in the fact that he. I mean, had really been good the past couple years. I, I do think at this point he he's almost matchup based. You, you, if you've got a good matchup for, you know, the passing game, I would I would take a shot and throw him in there. We know Matt Stafford, like as you said, does look like he's back to to what he was, and and he is a little bit of a gunslinger as we saw the whole ESPN thing do yesterday. So I, I would trust throwing him in there, but only on those uh, only in those games where it looks like he has a good game script to possibly do something. Matt, uh, thank you so much for joining me today and breaking down the rest of these games. Hope you have a great couple days and look forward to talking to you and Tony on Thursday. Yep, sounds great. See you then. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Only they tackle him at the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play?